everyone, and welcome to the Postbook Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Dyer, and on this March 31st episode, I will be covering GHC sports, including an interview with two Lady Chargers basketball players, Sandra Lynn and Shasha Shishkina, and assistant coach Nene Saxton, and a variety of other sports topics. This is a reminder that the Student Spin Podcast is a sister media to the Six Mile Post newspaper at Georgia Highlands College in Rome, Georgia. The views in this podcast do not represent those of the Six Mile Post or Georgia Highlands College. Listen to us on SoundCloud or through the Six Mile Post website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And the first thing I really want to talk about today is get into, I don't know if you guys have heard, but the women's basketball team at Georgia Highlands was just in the NJCAA National Tournament, and they wound up winning against Hutchison College, Trinity Valley Community College, and Jones College to advance to the championship game before they ultimately fell to Tyler Junior College in the NJCAA Championship game. And to a lot of people, the run was surprising, but it wasn't really that surprising to me because I've watched the team all season and knew what they were capable of and how good this team could really be because this has been the best women's basketball team that I've ever seen and it was a pleasure to get to know all of the players and their backstories as to where they came from especially the sophomores that aren't going to be no longer with us which I do want to congratulate all of the players and especially the Chargers that have taken the court for the last time Jashanti Simmons, Crystal Corley Omariah Tucker, Sandra Lynn and Sasha Shishkina for their time at Georgia Highlands College you guys have been a big part of me growing as a sports writer and interviewer and I just want to set aside the time to say thank you guys for all your cooperation with all the interviews you've done with me over the past two years and it's been a pleasure getting to know you guys and watch you guys play and I wish nothing but the best for you wherever you decide to go and take your talents because I know a few of you have already gotten offers I think that those are just going to be flooding in for all you guys and they finished the season 32 and 3 and their first appearance in the NJCA title game in program history so once again, congratulations to all the Lady Chargers, and it was an honor getting to know all of you guys this past season. Moving over to the men's team, their season ends in heartbreaking fashion. As they advanced to the GCA championship game versus South Georgia Technical College, they trailed by 11 with under a minute left in the game, and I don't think I've been in a sporting environment that was close to matching the energy that was in the gym over that pass over the last minute of that game because trailing by 11 under a minute left they were able to come back against all odds and tie the game to force the game into overtime and just seeing the look on all of those players faces whenever Christian Jackson hit that three to make it a two-point game and then when Joel Pullen got the inbound still right under the basket and made his layup. I don't think I've been more excited at a basketball game than I was at that one. But nonetheless, they went into overtime, and with the Chargers down by one, I'm just going to call it a questionable call on an out-of-bounds call that the referees made with 10 seconds left in the game. With the Chargers down by one, which inevitably sent the Jets to the free throw line on the other end to go up by three. And the Chargers came back down the court. They had a shot, but It wound up falling just short, and that was the end of the men's basketball 
season. And the win left the team out of the NJCA National Tournament. And it sucks that it had to come down to that one call near the end of the game that determined their season. But nonetheless, I want to thank you to the players that have taken the court for the last time for the Chargers. Christian Jackson, the Rosser brothers, Chris Wright, TJ Taylor, and Javis Harvey. Now, Christian and Javis, it was their first season here at Georgia Highlands, and I got to watch them grow a little bit. I was incredibly impressed by both of them and how much versatility they offered the team. And the Rosser brothers, I've gotten to know them on a personal level, and they're two really great guys, and I hope that both of them find somewhere else to continue their basketball career because they're really stand-up people, and this is just an overall fun group to be around. Now, moving over to softball, the team still struggling, sits at 10-22, and 22, but they have a chance to turn that around in doubleheader home games against East Georgia State College tomorrow and Georgia Military College on April 5th. And moving over to the baseball team as they continue their domination of who whoever they play. They currently have a record of 29-2, and two, and they propelled themselves into the top 10 this past week in the NJCA national rankings. And if you haven't went to any of their games yet this season, you are missing out because this team can score like I haven't seen a team go before. And next up for them is road games against East Georgia College tomorrow and Saturday, and then they head to South Georgia State College to take on the Hawks. And before we get into the national news of sports, I want to take some time to move the broadcast over to an interview that I did with Shasha Shishkina and Nene Saxton and Sandra Lynn. We'll now be joined by the Lady Chargers assistant basketball coach Nene Saxton and players Sandra Lynn and Sasha Shishkina. <laughs> <laughs> as we talk about this past season and their recruitment to Georgia Highlands. So Sandra, what stood out to you about Georgia Highlands when you were recruited? Uh, to be honest, Georgia Highlands is the only one who offered me. So I didn't really think about anything. I just said, okay, I have a chance, so I come. Got you. Yeah, pretty much the same thing with me. I mean, I had a couple other schools who replied, but then I just, one of them was, uh, Actually, two D two NCAA's, but I was like, let me start with JUCO because I want to see how the whole system works and kind of like get adjusted to it. And then yeah. I knew that people look at JUCO kids, so I was like, okay, after this, I probably will get more offers than right now. So, and we spoke to Coach Hale on the phone, and I really liked him, so I was like, let's do it. <laughs> and now, what's your biggest takeaway from like learning how? The process works with the NCA as compared to Russia. I haven't been to NCA yet, but um, I don't know. It's just if you look at the basketball part, it's in Russia and Europe in general. It's more like team thing, and we run more like plays and stuff. And here in the United States, it's more like personal things, like the way you can play as individual. And it's more about like attacking the basketball, running down, up and down the court and everything. I know it's like our signature thing, but if you, but still, if you look at the basketball in America in general, it's it's true. And now Coach Saxon, when did you first hear about Sandra and Sasha? Um, So when I first, actually I just started when they came, um, uh, I've been here one year. 
uh, Coach Heron was actually teaching me the ropes of um, there's uh, overseas connections and then a lot of the overseas connections will or will, will, will send them the players profiles and so coach was kind of trying to show me how that works um, and then once he I guess got their profile is when he introduced me and then I started you know speaking to him when he was on FaceTime or you know just just trying to build a relationship because it's important to build a relationship with kids just to, before they get here just so they can feel comfortable right um, so that, that's one big thing that we work on is building a relationship with with basketball players before they get here just so that they can you know feel comfortable coming in yeah, Coach Harrell, I got all everything I know from Coach Harrell. And now, uh, was there a like, language barrier whenever you first started contacting them? How did that work out? Yeah, I felt sorry for saying bless her heart. She had a little translator. Everything we talked about, and she had that little translator, and she's like, oh, I don't know what you're saying. At first, it was like, uh, uh, yes or no. That's all the thing. No, no, yes. So that's all we could get out of Sandy for a while. So I'm very, very proud of her for opening up now. I know. She can have it quite up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now, how has each of these players stepped up for the team this season? Um, tremendously. Great leaders, um, more vocal, uh, great communicators. Uh, they don't mind... Agree to disagree, yeah. which is a great thing. Um, and not not on our team that everybody don't take it personal. It's it's corrective criticism, you know. And so I love that about our team. Uh, we'd be on the basketball court and they may you know snap at each other, and it's like, oh shit, man, we we all tired, you know, whatever. <laughs> but they're they're still sisters after it's over. So I do um, love that. But their leadership and. Just them being voices and being vocal on the team has been a big, big, great thing with them. And now switching over to the NJCA tournament, um, what did it feel like for you, Sandra and Sasha, to finally defeating South Georgia Technical College? It feels good. <laughs> like our when our second year, like we are like just one three point shot closer to to get the champion and we, yeah. we like they made the shot so when we come back this year and we defeat them like four times this season it just feels good like, yeah because just watching the past two times yeah. in that GCA final has been heartbreaking for me as a fan to watch <laughs> yeah that was pretty devastating and it was like we this year's team had so much heart and when they said they were going to go get something, they, they really meant it, you know. So they, they really pulled together and did what they needed to do to win. And how did it feel for you, Sasha? Like, ain't no way they cut it down on it together. And so we'll have them no, ch- no chance. Four out of four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But we had to go out of our own gym for them to celebrate and cut our nets down. I was like, oh. Yeah. And what was the most difficult thing that all you guys faced while you were in Lubbock? 
It's sandstorm. <laughs> no, it's like no. <laughs> they couldn't figure out the weather. They said the weather was going to be pretty, and it was like so windy, blowing your stuff out your hands. So bipolar. Okay, so there was. It, it's not a struggle. It just I was so surprised. So we uh, <laughs> we came back from uh, some place. We went out to eat. Uh, Our house. Yeah. 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 And. Um, I had this uh, drink, it was full, like, it was like medium cup, it was huge. And when I was helping send out the car, because <laughs> she was sitting all the way in the back, I left the cup on top of the car, and I mean, it's heavy, ain't no way it would have been blown away. Right. It, it, it got blown away. Oh. Wow. <laughs> we gotta get back inside because it's dangerous yeah. out here. <laughs> we couldn't even hold the doors open like this. Yeah. We would blow the door back on you. We had hats. Everybody hat was rolling down the road. It was like, what is this? So we're in the desert right now. Yeah, we look over, it was like all this dust just in the air. It's like, whoa. But it, it was a fun experience. And some things sound weird, but I could smell it in the air. Like, you know how you can smell the dust sometimes? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the <laughs> And how was the feeling after you guys beat Jones in the Final Four? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do remember Coach Harold saying, though, we'll definitely we'll make it to the Final Four this year. He said, that he like, the last year I was in his office and we were talking about my future and, like, team in general. And I wasn't sure if I'm coming back, but I still get that is an option. And so he was like, okay, if you guys are coming back, we're definitely making it to a final four. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I still cannot believe it. It was, it was um, amazing just to watch them roll against the teams that has been there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, it was new to us. But it wasn't to them uh, beating Trinity Valley. Yeah. was one big accomplishment because Trinity Valley was the runner-up last year. Um, and they've been to the championship game numerous amount of times. So just watching our team stay together and stay focused and just do the things that had gotten us there um, to finish the, the, the goal. Um, didn't, the outcome didn't come like we wanted it to, but be in the top two. I mean, yeah. That's 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 excellent. Um, so I, I think just watching them not fall apart and just continue to play Georgia Hollis basketball. One of the other difficult things to go back on that um, while we were in Lubbock is we were the haunted team. Um, all the top teams that got knocked out. Yeah, because I had so, seen yeah. even like that you guys were the only ones only left once one, it got to the final eight. eight. Yeah, and so everybody was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna knock this, team, knock this team out too. We've knocked our everybody else out." So that was that was difficult just just to know that you know we were the last man standing, the one of the top teams standing. And, yeah, and they 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 owned up to it. They showed that we were. On the top four teams, you know, top two teams. We were ranked number three, but we ended up, you know, the second team in, in the nation. So that was that was something perfect. And now, how much of an impact do you think that playing four games in four days had on the team? We, I would say, we were prepared. We had a whole bunch of conditioning the week, <laughs> the week before we left. We got to look at the other teams. You know, they are. Uh, they're, they play way more games, so we mm-hmm. we kept saying in our mind, they're, they're tired and we are, you know. But we should not allow them to beat us because we've only played four days, you know. Some of them played five at that point. 
And how was it for you, Sandra? I would say, like, it would be a, like a little impact, but not really, because like like even someone off the court say, oh, my body is sore or something. But when they go on the court, they just play the like play, try the hardest way to play and to win the game. Mm-hmm. So they would just forget the soreness, the hurt, the pain, and just go out and play ball. And what is the biggest thing you guys learned while in love? It everybody's sorry and like. You just need to stay as a team, as a whole, and be positive and encourage each other, even though if things don't even work out your way. When it comes to the uh, basketball side, I learned how to be more, not tough, but like uh, how to finish with contact and how physical play over there, like during the match, because everybody's doing their best and move everybody's tail, so. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> be able to keep up with that. I enjoyed it a lot because we don't get that much on. One of the biggest um, <laughs> things that I thought, uh, we have, Trinity Valley had 89 cheerleaders. Wow. And they actually oh. are on the series on Netflix. If you've ever seen it, they are there. Oh, I never knew They're that. Like one of the top cheer teams. Yeah. And they brought 89 cheerleaders. And when we played against them, we block the noise out. When I said it was loud, it was loud. Yeah, because I remember you guys faced one team where there was a huge like little section right behind and one of the goals. Called, it was cheerleaders. There was 89 cheerleaders. The floor was shaking Lord. on the free throws when they were cheering. Yes. And then there was one group that one team had a band had a mascot. I mean, you know, so we, we still made it through those adversities and it was loud. Like, and what was the biggest thing you learned in Lubbock, uh, Sandra? Uh, I would say, uh, like, we stay together, even though, like, in the, in the like, fourth, uh, end of the fourth quarter and even the score is close, because we didn't really have a chance to play like, this kind of game in the season, because, like, we always, like, 20 point or 30 point difference. But in national, our game is, like, 6 point, 5 point, and we won, like, 10 until the last minute. So I feel like we learned how to stay together, even though we are facing, the like, a situation we didn't really face before. Like, we don't get that much context at conference because we've been blown team the way by, like, what, 30, Because, yeah, every home points. game that I went to and, like, all yeah. you guys were winning by 20, 30 points, I was just looking over at the video guy being like, well, this is over at halftime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and so that is something that I've learned, too, how to be focused and be able to keep up and not stress, stress now when you're, like, you're down. And now looking back at the season after all the memories that were made, which one will stand out for each of you? Conference champion. It's like it's the first time <laughs> I like cut the net and doing all the, all of like this and like especially after we lost the championship last year and we come back and win this year, it just feels more important than other things. I would say the beginning of the year because I knew the it's like a whole year ahead for me to spend the time together with my team and coaches and I was just, I knew it was going to be a good year. This time of the year too, because you can look back and, and let all emotions go. Because it, it's, I mean, it was fun, but it was intense at the same time. 
And what about you, Coach uh, Sachs? I, I think the, the memories that will stay with me the most is um, the relationship and the bond that the team learned to, to have. Especially when we went to nationals, just watching them interact, run as a coach. You know, we went to, to handle business, but it was it's really, really special to see them, you know, interact with each other and just love on each other and just know that, you know, hey, we're here together. We're going we're gonna to get through this together. It's, you know, we've cried together. We've, we've loved together, laughed together. So I, I think that's one thing that we know that we can really depend on each other. And then what about your, some of your favorite off-the-court memories while you've been at Georgia Highlands? There been just like a funny moment that sticks out to you? Not really. <laughs> it's just the way that coaches care for us. They like more than coaches. Like a, a family away from family. You know? Oh, I would say like when we like hang out with each other, like when we go to like a weekend and we go to eat dinner together, just have a lot of fun when, when everyone sit down and talk to each other. I think um, my, my favorite off the court memories it's like saying when we go out to eat, like just just let them let the hair down and just be themselves. And a lot of our locker room talks is fun. You know, our, our, those are like very very memorable. But <laughs> uh, my favorite times because that's when I'm able to, as a coach, teach, um, talk to them as a big sister or whatever they need is is my, that's my time. You know, so I really that's those are my my favorite moments. I'm teaching them how to grow, be successful, be young women. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know both of you guys are probably going to get a lot of offers from colleges coming here in the next few days. <laughs> yeah, actually, they're going to And so now, what has the re- recruiting cycle been like now since, as you said, Sandra, Georgia Highlands was one of the only teams that was looking at mm-hmm. you the first time around, but I'm sure you have tons of coaches looking at you. We're <laughs> off school, like talking to me right now. I feel like I like I really appreciate they, like they like so like they they watch my game and they love my game, and I just want to make the best decision for me. And so I still thinking about which school I should go and play for the next two years. That's important. important resource to know that you know. You know what I mean. <laughs> No, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know. Like the biggest thing that I learned is that you have to be not mentally stable, <laughs> but like <laughs> positive, and everything comes from head. Like if your thought, thoughts and feelings are messed up, everything is with myself. And what will be the primary focus of your decision? on where you want to continue your basketball career. Beach? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> my major. Yeah, major. Like, yeah. Major would be the first thing. Because, uh, like, I know, like, I cannot play basketball for the whole life. So I need to learn something that I, I'm interested in, too. And it might be my job after my career in very full life academic. That's why you gotta love them. <laughs> <laughs> and Coach Saxon, what is something that you've learned from each of them? Well, first off, I uh, KYP know my personnel. <laughs> I, 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 everybody's individual, so I treat each individual differently. I don't think I treat any of them the same. And when I say that, is um, the conversation is the same. My love is the same for all of them. It's just different situations, so I can't come at 
one, the way I would come at another one, or um, my conversation with one wouldn't be the same as the other. Um, but I guess one thing I've learned is to, to not make it be a group thing, really, really go at things individually. But somebody may be going through something that needs something, and I, and I try to be that person to whatever it is that they're going through, I try to be that person. Let them know that I'm not bad. If what's good or bad, I'm going to celebrate with them, and I'm going to cry with them if it takes that. But that's, I know that's why God really brought me to this team, and just learning how to be that big sister that, that they don't have around them. And Sandra and Sasha, what is the biggest thing you guys have learned while at Georgia Highlands? I to speak English. <laughs> <laughs> and understand what we're saying. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, okay. So at first, me and Sam, we were, um, when we were in the locker room, especially the first year, when girls get like overhyped and like super excited, they start to like yell and speak so quick, <laughs> and it's just like some noise. So if you miss one word, oh, y'all do your thing with the chill right here. Yeah, the babies look like, hey, how about we so loud? <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of lessons we learn here. You, you, I can just keep going and on and on. <laughs> Is there anything you guys would like to say before your journey at Georgia Highlands ends? I want to be cheesy, but <laughs> <laughs> I just really want to say thank yous to coaches, staff, and everybody who supported us. Because I truly felt it like I needed it because, you know, how far away my family is. I needed it. <laughs> What about you, Sandra? This is like Sasha said, like, just thank you for all the like coaches that gave me the opportunity to play here because the first year I tried to come here, I failed. So this is like the second opportunity and they gave me the chance. And right now I have a chance to have an opportunity to play in a higher level the next few years. And what do you guys hope that your teammates at Georgia Highlands can look back at your time with them and say about you? International kids. <laughs> I mean, I just want them to remember all this thing. I want them to be something. And what about you, Sandra? Best point guard. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, we can say about Sandra, she talks. She talks. <laughs> yeah. I can talk. <laughs> they probably will remember me getting in there for not cleaning up the kitchen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Thank you guys for being on the podcast today, and we wish you the best in whatever college you guys choose to continue your basketball career with. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And now switching over to the national news, we have the men's basketball Final Four that's going on this coming up weekend, and it's going to be Kansas and Villanova on one side of it, and it's going to be Duke and North Carolina on the other side. And this has been one of the first times that I recall basically having all the Blue Bloods within the Final Four, which if you don't know who the Blue Bloods of college basketball are, they're your Dukes, your North Carolinas, Kansas, Villanova, uh, Kentucky, any kind of school like that that's really been really prominent over the past 10, 15, 20 years, which Duke is a whole completely different story because Duke's been prominent almost the whole entire career of head coach Mike Krasinski, who a lot of people call Coach K because they can't really pronounce his name. <laughs> but 
you haven't heard, this is going to be Coach K's last season with the Duke Blue Devils, and he's going to finish off his 42-year career. And what makes this such a big deal for him is that for the first time, Duke and North Carolina are playing in the Final Four, something that's never happened during his coaching career. And if you don't know the magnitude of the rivalry between those two, this is by far the best college sports rivalry out there, Duke and North Carolina. It beats any kind of football rivalry you can think of or in any other college sport where both these teams have hated each other forever, and I'm excited to see them in the Final Four together finally because it's like a dream come true for me as a sports fan where I've been just waiting and waiting and waiting because Duke and North Carolina have both had good teams throughout years, but they've just never been able to be really, really, really good at the same time. And what a storybook ending would that be if Coach K's final Final Four came with a win against North Carolina. It's a storyline I'm rooting for. If you're a sports fan, I think you have to be rooting for Duke in this game unless you're just a North Carolina fan. But I think Duke is the most talented team left in the tournament, so I'm picking them to win the whole thing. And I have Kansas beating Villanova, setting up Duke versus Kansas with Coach K getting the send-off that is much deserved after his illustrious career. And switching over to the women's side of college basketball, the Final Four is set at Louisville and South Carolina and Stanford versus UConn, which if you don't know anything about women's basketball, again, these are three of the four big, quote, blue bloods of women's basketball that's in there with South Carolina, Stanford, and UConn. UConn has been probably the most successful basketball program, men or women's team, over the past 15, 20 years that I've seen. But you may not think you have a rooting interest in it, but I do. And that's because Lady Chargers assistant coach Nene Saxon's daughter is a player at South Carolina who has played a key role for the Gamecocks, averaging over 10 rebounds per game in the national tournament so far. So just as the men's side, we have four fantastic coaches, including three that will undoubtedly be inducted in the Hall of Fame from UConn, Stanford, and South Carolina. But I really want to see South Carolina win so that Coach Saxton gets that moment with her daughter because I can't, I couldn't imagine what it would be like for her to get this women's team right here right now at Georgia Highlands to the championship game in the NJCAA tournament and then be able to watch her daughter go and win a championship at the NCAA level. I think that'd be unheard of, and I mean, it's it's just a storybook way to end a season. And now moving over to the NBA, the Lakers are completely out of control right now. Um, Nobody knows what anybody's doing over there. I didn't like the move of bringing in Russell Westbrook in the offseason because they already had a facilitator in LeBron James, and I think that Russell Westbrook really didn't bring a whole lot to the table that LeBron James couldn't bring, and... But, I mean, yeah, I didn't have the high expectations heading into the season, but I didn't expect them to be nearly as bad as they are right now. I mean, my God, you, you've almost slipped out of the playoff spot now. And, again, they're now outside of the playoffs with just seven games to go in the regular season. And a big problem with me, I will defend LeBron James until the end of time for what he does off the court, on the court, and everything like that. But it really bothered me that he sat out Tuesday's game because you had the Lakers and the Mavericks taking on each other, who every game now is a must-win for this Lakers team. So to have LeBron James sit out of that game, their star player, I understand why he's frustrated, but you've got to play these last few games to ensure that your team's even going to make the playoffs. 
And again, I'll defend him till the end of time for a lot of things, but that I, th- I feel like this is one of the first inexcusable things I've seen LeBron James do. And that's why that really bothers me so much that he sat out of that game Tuesday night. Now, don't get me wrong, he's been playing out of this world. He's had a few 50-point games over the past, like, two or three weeks. And in his 19th year in the NBA, that's completely unheard of from anybody. But I think that them getting by Anthony Davis for Friday night with LeBron James looking to try and come back Friday night as well, I think it leads to them having a little bit of a confidence boost going forward for this last stretch of games and who knows maybe they'll make the playoffs maybe they won't but I know for sure that LeBron James is going to be one of the topics of the offseason as to where he's going to play because I don't think he wants to be on the Lakers anymore and I don't and frankly I don't think the Lakers want him on the team anymore and switching over to the Eastern Conference the Celtics are in a dogfight with the Heat for the number one seed in the East and I think that ultimately the Celtics claim that top seed and I'm going to tell you right now, these the Celtics team, you've seen them choke in the past, but I think that the Celtics team is the one that probably gets it done if there is going to be one. Because ever since the All-Star break, there hasn't been a team stop the Celtics. Jason Tatum is playing out of his mind right now. They are the best defensive team by far this season in the NBA. And I think that will translate over into the playoffs and... Ultimately, I think the Celtics claim that top seed from the Heat, and they wind up running through the East. I don't see them going past six games with anybody except for maybe the Bucks. And in other news in the East, the Hawks, they've pretty much secured a spot in the playoffs in the play-in tournament as that 10 seed, but they're going to have to win two games if they want to make the playoffs, which is going to pit them against the Hornets, and then I don't think they get past the Hornets. I think the Hornets beat them in that first playing game, but if they do get past the Hornets, they're probably looking at facing the Nets, and I really don't think they'll get past the Nets. Aside from everything, that Trey Young, Trey Young has been one of the most phenomenal basketball players I've ever seen play basketball, but that can only do so much for you at a certain point, and it's going to be a shame that this Hawks team, because I really like this Hawks team. A lot. I like the Trey Young, John Collins duo, and I loved when they went and they got out Clint Capella a few years ago. But they just don't have the roster to be able to get it done right now. And speaking of Trey Young, I want to move the conversation over to I know it's been a while, but it's something that hurt me a whole lot, which is Freddie Freeman and Matt Ryan being gone. Uh, I don't know what to think of Atlanta sports right now with those two being gone because as a child those were the two names that me and a whole lot of people my age looked at in Atlanta sports and said well that's our guy or I think any reasonable Falcons fan will say hey Matt Ryan has been the best quarterback the Falcons have ever had and a lot of us Braves fan grew up watching Freddie Freeman really stick around through those bad teams that we had in the late 2000s, the mid-2010s. And as I said, the two have been the faces for Atlanta sports for 15 years. And now Atlanta has to search for a new star in the MLB and NFL. I think they'll be okay in the NBA. I think Trey Young's a big enough superstar to where they can really say, hey, we have a guy there that can be the face. But those two other ones that the best player on the Falcons right now is either Kyle Pitts or A.J. Terrell. I think right now those are the only two, aside from Deion Jones, that could even make an NFL roster, aside from Grady Jarrett and Guzzo. 
Greg Jerry, Deion Jones, A.J. Terrell, and Kyle Pitts. They brought in Marcus Mariota, but I think that's just an experimental project that'll wind up with them either taking a quarterback either this year or next year in the NFL draft. And Matt Ryan didn't deserve all the hate that he got from Falcons fans over the years, especially after the Super Bowl. Especially putting up an MVP caliber season like he did and actually winning the MVP. You still heard a lot of Falcons fans just say, well, it was because of Julio. He's not really that good. And he's always had good receivers around him, which is true. He's had a good supporting cast with receivers with Roddy White and Julio Jones. Harry Douglas was a decent receiver with him and Calvin Ridley. And then Tony Gonzalez right there towards the middle of it for two or three years. But that doesn't mean that Matt Ryan, that doesn't mean that they carried Matt Ryan. He never had a good offensive line. He never had a good running game. Like Michael Turner was the best running back he had. And even then he was only good for two or three years because of the offensive line. The offensive line in Atlanta has been absolutely atrocious for the past 10 years of Matt Ryan's career. And there's not really much he can do about that. He can't really get the ball out. As early as he would like, or as late as he would like. But he didn't. He didn't deserve the way that he was treated by fans during his time here. And the front office really, I feel like, let the ball drop on Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan didn't deserve the front office, what the front office gave him. Which was the whole Deshaun Watson situation and them saying, hey, we're going to trade for Deshaun Watson to bring in fan interest. But then it wound up Deshaun Watson didn't come in and he moved over to Cleveland instead of Atlanta. But, and then you had all of that with Matt Ryan just kind of, I thought after that he was just kind of done. I thought that Arthur Blank really sent him a message of, yeah, we don't want you here anymore. Um, It's time to move on from Matt Ryan. And... I think it infuriated me even more that we only got a third-round pick from the Colts for trading them. Or we just seen Deshaun Watson get traded to the Browns for a multitude, probably three first-round picks and two second-round picks. And we just seen Russell Wilson part of a blockbuster trade to where the Seahawks got a whole lot out of him from the Broncos. So why was Matt Ryan only really worth a third-round pick? Something that I won't, I did it. something that I can't understand, and I probably never will. But it's it's going to be rough for the Falcons for the next few years. I think uh, I think the Braves are going to be in good hands. I was happy to see us get Matt Olson and bring him in because that when we signed or when we traded for Matt Olson. That pretty much guaranteed me that Freddie wasn't going to come back. So I was already really ready for Freddie to leave whenever we signed him. And I think the Braves are going to be in just great shape now because they get a young superstar in Matt Olsen that's tied to the team for upwards of 10 years, along with having Albies, Acuna, Swanson, and Riley all on long-term deals. So I don't think the Braves are going to take a step back really at all. I think that they're still going to be one of the most prominent teams in the National League. Could even be repeat World Series champions. But I think only time will tell with that one. But I will say the Braves are in a much better spot with their trade than the Falcons are. And I want to thank both Freddie Freeman and Matt Ryan for all the time that they put in Atlanta for all the seasons that they've stuck around when Atlanta really wasn't that good. And for really giving me someone in Atlanta sports to look up to and say, well, I want to be like him. I want to, as a sports journalist, it's like I want to be around an environment where there's a guy like that in the locker room. And I think that both of them 
have really cemented themselves into the hearts of Atlanta sports fans that are around my age. And again, I just want to say thank you guys for all the hard work that you put in over the last 15 years and stuck around. It's It hasn't always been a good ride, but it sure has been a fun one. And that is all we have time for on the Post Buzzer Podcast today. Be sure to catch us next week and listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast at.